we're going to go ahead and jump right in. And, you know, we're kind of at um, a little, oh, excuse me, no, you're good, um, a little bit of, of a, a, an, a goofy Sunday. Uh, many people came to worship uh, last night, and so there's, there's a fewer of us here, um, but you can still see me all the way, yep, we're good. So it's a little bit more personal, um, and, and it's a little bit maybe more of kind of a, a family service feel, and you know, frankly, that, that kind of seems appropriate, because we need to have, we kind of need to have a Christmas talk, Okay. Um, and it's not one of those talks like where your parents are like, okay, sit down. Okay. It's going to be okay. But, but we need to have a talk. And part of the reason why we have to have a talk is because I think there's times where no matter how much we talk about it, how much we, we drill down on it, how much we focus in on it, there's, there's this thing that we, that we miss sometimes. And I, I can't let you leave here this morning. Now, it's not like a threat you're going to leave here this morning. It's going to be okay. But, but what I meant to say is I, I can't let you go this morning without making sure that we've dealt with some of these things that are absolutely critical. Okay, so, so we're going to jump right in here and, and, and we're going to deal with some of this stuff. Um, because the next time we meet, everything will be different. Except that's really not true, is it? The next time we meet, Christmas will officially be over. But Jesus will still have been born. God will still reign supreme. God will have stepped into human history to change everything. So I say everything will be different, but really the reality is only the calendar will be different. See, this is one of my issues with Advent. I like Advent. Because I like Christmas. Although by the end of Christmas, I usually get a little tired of it. Okay? But I like Advent. I, I like Christmas. But one of my issues is we treat it like it's this grand once-a-year thing when the reality is that it was the beginning of everything. It wasn't, it wasn't just this thing that happened once that we get to celebrate once a year and we get to remember that Jesus came and he was a baby and that's great. But I'm going to be honest with you. Jesus is no longer a baby. But Advent, for us, has got to be about something more than remembering Jesus in a manger. Celebrate it. It's awesome. But Advent, for us, has to be about more if we're going to get something consistently out of it. Advent, for the Jews, trust me when I tell you, meant something consistently more. See, they were waiting. They'd been waiting since here, in theory. Since here, Genesis 3.15, you'll, you'll know this, this story, this, this is not a, an uncommon story, we've talked about this before, but in the garden, okay, God makes everything and it's perfect, okay, and he is in direct communion with men, he walks with them in the garden, Adam and Eve and God walk together in the garden, they're in a deep relationship with one another, and he gives them free will, he makes them in his image, and he says, I want your worship, but I won't force your worship. And he sets up this system where he says, you go, go and experience life to the fullest. Everything that I intended you to have is yours. Just 
take it and enjoy it and we'll be in relationship together and it will be spectacular and it's exactly the way God set it up. And then Adam and Eve, they jacked it up. They did the one thing, the one thing that God instructed them not to do. And it was broken. And it was ruined. And the relationship with God wasn't there the way that it was before. And the freedom wasn't there the way that it was before. Everything was broken. But God says this thing way back at the beginning. He says, and I will put, this is him talking to the woman, talking to Eve and Adam, and him talking to Satan, who, <clears throat> Satan. And he's having this conversation, and he says this thing way back at the beginning. He says, look, here's what's going to happen. I will fix this. I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to Satan. And I'm going to um, put enmity between your offspring and hers. And he, talking about Jesus, will crush your head. Yeah, you'll strike his heel. Yes, you'll bruise. But he will be victorious. And it's in this way, in this that probably felt a little cryptic to Adam and Eve. But in this instance, way back at the beginning, that God tells us, Christmas is coming. See, that's what happened. God told us way back in Genesis 3, right minutes after it got messed up, right? I mean, they're walking in the garden, a snake, come on, really? Says, hey, you should eat this. And they're like, hey, good idea, snake. Let's do that. Bad idea. Doesn't work. But they do it. They eat it, and then they hide from God, and God comes in, and he says, I can't believe that you did this. And he says, so because you've done this, here's the curse. It's not me doing it to you. It's sin that's now here, and it breaks everything. But Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. This is, this is you, you could, if you had your own version of the Bible, the, the, the Matt's version, right, the NMV, the new Matt version, in Genesis 3, in the margin, you could just write this, Christmas is coming. Kind of reminds me of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Any ever read that? Seriously? Okay, who's watched the movie? <laughs> terrible. The movie wasn't terrible, but it's a... If you're basing your, your love for the Chronicles of Narnia on the movies, you're doing it wrong. Read the books. Anyway, but in, in Narnia, where it's, it's always winter, never Christmas... Okay, that's kind of what it's been like, the, the perpetual advent that Israel went through, starting with the moment that they disobeyed God, and God says, yes, there are curses, and yes, there's a problem, but Christmas is coming, and they're in this perpetual advent then, where we, we see, as we read through the Old Testament story, all of it always points to God, every, or I'm sorry, to Jesus. Everything is, oh, hey, I guess I was right there and I didn't even mean to be. Everything always points to Jesus. Everything is always about Jesus and everything is building this anticipation that Christmas is coming. Okay, we've talked about this before, except we've used the phrase that, that God says, I'm rolling in the kingdom. It starts with Abram, right? And, and, and with Abram, he says, I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna put you here and I'm gonna make you this grand nation. Okay, and then, and then we have the 12 tribes. 
and Moses. And we have the nation of Israel that's birthed from this. And he sets up the law and, and, and the sacrifices. And he sets up this, this ritualistic system so that men can be close to God again. And it's his way of saying, Christmas is coming. It's going to get here. And then the prophets. The prophets are always screaming at Israel about the way to be close to God and the way to fix things and, and the way to, to repent and come closer. They're telling you. Christmas is coming. And then we get to a point where it's silent. Where we have 400 years of prophetic silence. Where the anticipation builds. Where the tension rises. Where we don't know exactly what, but we know something. And year after year, we think we're getting closer and closer. And then finally... The angel speaks to Zechariah and he says, this is the moment. You're going to have a son. And that son is going to prepare the way of the Lord. And apparently that guy wore camel hair and ate honey with bugs. But he says, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John and he is going to baptize and, and, and he is going to have people repent and he is going to make straight the roads for Jesus. And then he comes to Mary and Joseph and he says, and you're going to have a baby. And he's going to save us all. But way at the beginning, we've been told Christmas is coming and it's built, and it's built. And that's what Advent is. Advent is this long-awaited, this anticipation, this grand thing that's building, and it's coming, and we're going to have it, and then it happens. But the problem for us is that we are content to let it happen in a barn, in a cave, in a manger, and somehow we want to keep it there. See, we have a problem. And it's, it's not unlike the problem the Jews had. See, God had been telling them since Genesis that Christmas was coming. And Christmas came, and frankly, they were uninterested. By and large, when Christmas came, they were uninterested because they didn't like their gift. Anybody get a gift this morning that you didn't like? Don't raise your hand. The person that gave it to you is probably sitting next to you. Give me a mental answer. All right, then. You all know I got socks. If you were here last night, you knew I got socks. Truth time. I had Carrie buy the socks so that I could open them. She didn't really buy me socks. I bought myself socks because it helped my illustration. Okay? Don't give her grief. I did it to myself. But I needed socks. Okay, we're, let's, let's, let's get back on track. Sorry about the socks. But, but here's the deal, right? They didn't want the gift because they weren't interested in the baby born in a lowly stable in a manger. They wanted a king. They needed a king, they thought. So when the gift came, it wasn't what they thought they wanted, so they put the gift aside and they, they rejected the gift uh, and it wasn't what they wanted. We have a similar problem, except our problem is the opposite. We love the baby. Most of the time, we don't want nothing to do with the king. 
So my question for you as we finish up our Advent, as, as we go through um, our Advent series, as we, as we wrap it all up, is are you content with the baby or do you want your king? Because if you've been coming here to Blessed Hope and, and you're content with the baby, then you're missing. And you know how we've been talking about revival and we've been talking about the need to grow and we've been talking about the need to be challenged. We've been talking about the need to bring people to Jesus. We've been talking about the need to take what we have and to make sure that there is nobody with excuse in this community that we live in. There is nobody that doesn't know and love Jesus. All of that doesn't happen until we decide that we want our king. We've got to be careful about this. This is the problem that uh, this is the problem that the Israelites had. They weren't ready. We have to be. Let's look at uh, uh, John, there. It is John one. This is not the most Christmassy of the Christmas stories, but it's my favorite. Okay, Mary's not in it. Joseph's not in it. There's no angels. Shepherds aren't there. There's no wise men. Okay? But it's my favorite of the Christmas stories. So let's read this a little bit and, and, and tear it apart together. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. You get the point there? Right? If it's made, it's because the Word made it. The Word, by the way, we're talking Jesus. We'll see that in a little bit here, but you can just take my word for it. Now, the word is Jesus. And it says, in the beginning, Jesus was there with God. In fact, Jesus was God, okay? And Jesus made everything. There is nothing that exists that Jesus didn't make. If it is real, then Jesus is the creator and the author of it. Because there's nothing that exists apart from him. In him was life. That's why it can't exist apart from him, because he is life. In him is life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is Jesus now, light of the world, who creates everything. And you know, we talked about this. This, this idea of light and dark, um, biblically speaking, these are powerful symbols um, that, that dark is, is the absence of all that is good. People want to know what hell is going to be like. I've, I've, I, I'm like, I don't know why you want to know what hell is going to be like. Stop asking what hell is going to be like and, and let's get on the heaven train because trust me when I tell you that's better. Um, but if you're like me, I suppose you worry about that because there's people that you know and love terribly that don't know Jesus but I don't know what hell's going to be like. Uh, we can talk about whether what we read in Scripture is, is metaphorical, whether it's literal. Um, I can tell you that hell is real, and I can tell you that it is dark because it is the absence of light because Jesus is not there, and there is nothing good apart from Jesus. But here's the deal. In this world that we live in, light now has entered the world Christian, light lives in you. And darkness will not overcome it. That's what I read there. The light shines in the darkness. 
And darkness won't overcome it. We continue. We get to John uh, 1, 9 through 13, and, and the true light that gives light to everyone was in the world. And it was made through him. But get this sad part here. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. See, you get that, right? That Jesus made everything. There is nothing that exists apart from him. He is life itself. What exists, exists because Jesus is the author of it and wills it to be. And he comes to the world. It's his own world. He owns it. He created it. Everything belongs to him. But he comes to the world and they don't recognize him. They don't know him. They look at him and they think there's nothing in him for us. Because he didn't look like they thought he would look. They don't want him. It says, the world didn't receive him yet. To all who did receive him, to those that did recognize him, to the, to the few that did respond to the gift that is Jesus, to those that responded, here's what it says, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Listen, when we had kids, you know, it was a conversation. It was like, do we want Riley to be here? Absolutely. We decided. We made it happen. Do we want Travis we didn't know he was Travis at the time. Actually, fun story, we thought Travis was Megan. <laughs> um, he was supposed to be a girl. Um, that's what the doctor said. Um, and then it turned out, not so much. Um, and we're glad. Was a good, Riley cried, though. <laughs> like, in the hospital, right? We came out and we're like, hey, meet your brother. And she's like, no, not having it. And his room was pink and we had to paint it and all that good stuff. But, but we decided that we wanted Travis. And then after several years, when we stopped remembering specific things, we decided that we wanted Aubrey. And then after that, we decided we were done. But decisions. But that's not how this works. Okay? But this is no less real. See, but this is what it says. It says, to all who believed in Jesus, he gave them the right to rebirth, to be born as sons of God. Children born not of natural descent, not from parents sitting down and having a conversation, not from someone's will, but as a gracious gift from God the Father who says that through Jesus, if you believe, I will give you the right to become a son of God. And all of that happens not because a baby laid in a manger. All of that happens because of the birth and the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. See, understand this truth. The whole point of Christmas is what happens after the manger. I like the manger. You like the manger. But the whole point of Christmas is what happens next. Uh, that should be 1 John, by the way. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Lavished. Love that word, lavished. He didn't, <laughs> thinking about Vince's honey, right, with the kids. He didn't dip a pinky in and say, that's good. I mean, he just poured out the whole thing. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. Not because of the manger, but because of everything that happened and flowed from the manger. This is what Christmas, uh, with, with all due respect to Charlie Brown fans, this is what Christmas is all about. Okay? I mean, I, I like Charlie Brown as much as the next guy, but this is what Christmas is about, is this moment right here. I was so frustrated. A guy that I know and love and respect, and, and he loves God and he loves Jesus and all of those things, but, but we were having this conversation on Friday morning, um, and, and the comment was made that, well, that's okay, because I, I told the kids what Christmas is really about. And I was like, really? Tell me more. Because I thought, well, that's very bold of you at school. And he said, well, it's just, it's about how much that, that um, the real joy is in giving as much as it is in receiving gifts. I said, and that's a great moral life lesson, isn't it? Right? I mean, and it's true to a degree. Like, I get more enjoyment seeing my kids open presents than I get in opening my own presents. Although I like presents, don't get me wrong. Presents are cool. But that's not what Christmas is about. It's a nice lesson. It's a nice moral, cultural twist on Christmas. It's a nice preemptive strike to the kids who are gimme, 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 greedy, greedy, greedy. But it's not what Christmas is about. So in case we're confused, Mark, I see you looking at your girls there like. <laughs> Let's just be clear. Christmas is about the God of the universe wanting you. That's it. And the lengths that he would go to have you. He said from the beginning, Genesis 3, I know it's messed up. You really did a number on it. It's all broken now. Everything is ruined. Yes, we're, we're, we're messy. We're icky. Everything's bad. But hey, good news. Christmas is coming. But Christmas is not so that you can experience this Jesus in a manger. Christmas is so that you can acknowledge the God of the universe that brought Jesus here and everything that happens because of it. And everything that happens because of it is life for those who believe. It is new birth for those that follow Jesus. Period. That's what this next text is. John uh, 1.14 says this, The Word became flesh. This is the point of Christmas. This is what's happening. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. By the way, the word is God. We already read that, John 1.1. 1, 1. The word was with God and the word was God. 
This is where we differ so much with our Jehovah's Witness friends or our Mormon friends or our other Christological um, faith, those that, that talk about Jesus but don't talk about Jesus as God. Talk about Jesus as an angel or talk about Jesus as someone that God sent. No, 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 no. No, 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 get this. John 1:14, we cannot get around this. Here's what happened. God himself didn't send somebody on his behalf. He didn't choose somebody else to go do this for him. God himself tore back the curtain, stepped into human history so that everything could be made new. Teach your kids that. Somebody call up Charlie Brown. And tell him what Christmas is really about so we don't get confused. Because i got to be honest with you, this is lost so many times. But he made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And I always love this combination of grace and truth. Grace. But not grace alone but grace with truth. Jesus didn't come and pull punches. Jesus didn't come and soft sell. Jesus didn't come and, and make everything um, seem like whatever you feel like is acceptable. You do what you want to do. Jesus came with truth, but he shared it with grace. It's, it's kind of how we as a church strive to be in our community. It's in our vision statement that our role in this community if you go back and you read through our vision statement, our goal in this community is to make sure that everyone is confronted with the gospel in grace and truth. Never one without the other. But this is, this is, this is how this works. This is just a big thing that we have to understand. So understand here, as we get together, as we celebrate Advent, that we aren't waiting for Jesus in a manger. When we get together in, in Advent, I mean, I'm fine when we look back. We look back to celebrate, and that's great. But I want you looking forward. I want you looking for the king. And that's exactly how the whole story of Scripture ends. The whole story of Scripture ends with us looking for and waiting for the king. This is what Jesus says. He says, look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is Jesus saying, he says, look, I am coming, not as a baby. He did that. I'm coming soon as king, and when I come, I bring reward. And by the way, that reward, okay, that reward is not because I'm awesome, the reward that he brings is because he's awesome. Every good that I've ever done, I've done because of Jesus' righteousness that's been given to me. Every reward that I will ever receive, I will receive, not because I'm worth anything, but because Jesus' righteousness is attached to me. All the good that I accomplish is in the name of Jesus because he's my king. That's how this works. And we keep going in 17, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. We are the bride, the church. We say, come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The one who hears, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. And the one who uh, wishes, take the free gift of the water of life. It's open for everybody. Come and receive. This is what Christmas is for. 
It's because Jesus came to accomplish what we could not accomplish, and now we are longing for him to return. We say, come quickly, and it ends, he who testifies to these things. That's John, John who wrote this, this letter. He says, he who testifies to these things um, says, or I'm sorry, that's Jesus, says, he who testifies, he who says these things says, um, yes, I'm coming soon, and John repeats those words, amen, yes, come, Lord Jesus. See, if you're here this morning as a Christian, this is your heart's prayer. Carrie and I were actually talking about this in bed this morning as we were laying there deciding, we woke up before the kids. That's like two out of the last three years. I mean, we are starting to get into this sweet spot. It's awesome. Some of you parents, just, you'll get there, right? But, but it happened, and, and so, so we, and we, were, we were talking about uh, we were talking about this moment. And we're talking about Jesus, that, that we are longing. I mean, we enjoy our life. It's hard, but we enjoy it. But we are longing for this moment when Jesus will return, when he will fix every wrong, when all the things that make us weep when we read the news or when we're online or when we check out what's happening in the world, when he fixes all of it where it all comes to fruition. We're not waiting for the baby. We're waiting for the king. And this moment's coming. Ask the praise team to come back up, and, and as they come up and prepare you, I, I, I want to come back over here to this. By the way, when it comes to the, the Advent testimonies that we've seen, um, if you've appreciated those as much as I have, make sure you um, give Megan a shout-out here. She's spent a lot of time and effort and energy on those. Um, and, and all of our volunteers. Um, but as we come back to this, this makes sense only in light of the returning king. Right? This makes sense. It made sense for Israel as they were waiting for the Messiah, but it only makes sense for us as we look forward as well. And you heard, you know what, you heard the first week, you heard, uh, uh, who do we have? We had Barb and her family talking about hope. Hope in Jesus. Hope in something better. Hope in something that surpasses this world. Because you know what? Sometimes this world is not awesome. Sometimes we get cancer. Sometimes people die. Sometimes tragedies happen. The world is broken. Everything is wrong. But when we look ahead... We can have hope. And then Emily talked to us about peace. Peace that only makes sense if we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Peace that only makes sense if we know that God has got everything under control and my consternation and my hand wringing and my everything won't make a lick of difference because God's got it. And then we heard from Phyllis as she talked about joy. Joy that trumps circumstance. Joy that goes past mere happiness. Happiness wanes. Happiness comes and goes. I get the right present, I'm happy. I get the wrong present, my happiness goes away. I get the new toy, it's spectacular. The batteries die, my happiness recedes. Kids, your parents maybe don't want you to know this, but you can replace batteries in those toys. <laughs> FYI, just know that. And then Carrie last night shared this love. 
This idea of love that transcends human reason. This idea of loving people that have hurt us. This idea of loving people that have wronged us. This idea of the fact that we are worthy of being loved only makes sense when we remember that there is a God on the throne who gave everything for us. And then today, we, we, we lit the Christ candle, and Jess, we saw her as she shared how the love of Christ and Jesus himself is the only one that fills that void. You can try with a lot of things. Drugs, alcohol, sex, men, women, food, stuff. You can try with a lot of things, but none of that is going to fill that void except Christ. And he is on the throne. See, the Advent candle that we, that we light, this, this whole thing that we do with the testimonies, all of that, it only makes sense because we're looking ahead. So I just want to challenge you one more time, the way we did at the beginning, challenge at the end, and then we'll pray and sing. But this Christmas, as we come to a close, have you been excited about the baby in the manger? Or have you been longing for the return of the king? Because Christmas is all about what happens on the cross. And it is all about what will happen when Jesus returns. Christmas was necessary, but it was never meant to be the culmination. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that it, we thank you that it happened we thank you that, that you yourself stepped into human history and that the second person of the Trinity, the Son, the one who creates and sustains everything, stepped into the world to live humbly and to suffer and to die for my sin, for our sin, so that at his resurrection, we could experience this brand new life, not through the planning of parents, but, but through this spiritual reality of being made new in Jesus when we love and honor and submit and follow Jesus. And Father, we thank you that he's coming again. And we look forward to the return of the King. God, we love you and we praise you and we just thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.